In the spring of 2005, Londoner Anthony Holder called his cat in from the garden. It didn't come running, so he ventured beyond his doorway, searching for his pet. As he walked into the backyard, he froze. A giant black creature had his tabby pinned down. The menace was lean and feline with a long black tail. Its eyes shone bright in the darkness. Holder barely had time to mentally conjure the word panther before the big animal dropped his cat and lunged toward him. The next few seconds were a blur. Holder tried to fight, but the animal was all muscle. It overpowered him with ease, snapping its huge teeth inches from his face. Eventually, he was able to force it off his chest. The beast released him and leapt out of sight. Holder rushed to call the police. But when the authorities searched the area later on, there were no confirmed sightings of the creature again. It was as if the big cat had slipped away, like a phantom. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our first episode on British big cats, sometimes referred to as phantom cats, alien big cats, or ABCs. For decades, residents of the United Kingdom have reported sightings of enormous feline predators that, according to scientists, shouldn't exist. Today, we'll trace the history of large feline species in the British Isles. Then, we'll step into the shoes of ABC hunters as they seek to prove the existence of these elusive creatures. Next time, we'll go deeper into the evidence for Phantom Big Cat's existence. We'll look at forensic clues that might tell us where they came from, and if they're even from this world. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told presents She Has a Name. 
where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Cats. We know them. We love them. And they've been around longer than we have. About 30 million years ago, the first felines arrived on the scene. And they had all the features of modern cats. Speed, agility, sharp claws, and sharper teeth. Most were enormous, weighing almost a ton. These large predators ruled the animal kingdom for millions of years. When our ancestors were still banging rocks together to make fire... Cats were apex predators at the top of the food chain. Saber-toothed tigers, lynxes, and other big felines prowled the globe. The British Isles were home to leopards, lions, and others. But their happy existence changed when humans discovered how to make weapons. We were smart and resourceful, and we were hungry for lean meat. Many scientists claim humans hunted most of the biggest animals to extinction during the last ice age, which ended 12,000 years ago. The huge woolly mammoths and saber-toothed tigers disappeared. Some of the sizable cats followed, leaving smaller species to roam the continents. Across Europe, humans cut down the great forests for lumber and agriculture, driving animals into smaller and smaller territories. By 1086, only about 15% of England's forests remained. In other parts of the world, a few large predators managed to survive. Jaguars sheltered in the Amazon jungle, while leopards prowled patches of shrinking forest in India. Today, only seven species of the large cat genus called Panthera live on. And thanks to humanity's population explosion and shrinking habitats, the cats haven't always lived in harmony with their human counterparts. In Mumbai, India, many live with the threat of pumas just inches from their doors. In September 2021, Nirmala Singh, a 65-year-old Mumbai resident, went out to her patio for a breath of fresh air. As she sat down, a leopard stalked up and pounced on her. Singh dodged razor-sharp claws as she sat back up, but the hungry beast immediately knocked her down again. She screamed and beat it back with her walking stick. Fortunately, her family heard her cries and rushed outside. Outnumbered, the creature fled into the neighboring forest. Singh, though injured, survived. Incidents like this were commonplace that summer. According to an article in the India Times, Singh's attack was one of six in a month. Which is very different from your typical Brit's experience. In the UK, many people think a visit to the zoo is the closest they'll ever come to seeing a leopard on their home soil. But they may be mistaken. For hundreds of years, people in the aisles have reported tree trunks shredded by razor-sharp claws and the carcasses of adult deer that were consumed in a single evening. From time to time, they've even seen the feline culprits. According to historical legend, in the 16th century, one of King Henry VIII's most esteemed knights, Sir John Giffard, supposedly kept a menagerie of exotic animals on his property. One day, Sir John's prized panther saw an opportunity. Perhaps someone left his cage unlocked or turned their back during a feeding. Whatever the case, the animal escaped into the nearby forest. When Sir John found out, he was furious. 
he instructed his son to ready two horses. Together, they rode into the woods to recapture the beast. The forest was empty, so they went into town. Perhaps they thought the leopard would be drawn to the fresh meat at the markets or the chickens and geese in people's yards. As Sir Giffard's estate recounts, the pair caught sight of the animal in a park, just in time to see it stalking a young woman and her baby. With no time to lose, Sir John knocked an arrow in his bowstring. He could see the panther crouching, its tail twitching in anticipation. His son whispered a word of encouragement while Sir John released the bolt. He was just in time. Right as the cat pounced, the arrow struck it, fatally. A few years later, in 1513, authorities granted Sir John a family crest in recognition of his bravery. The emblem featured a panther with flames coming from its mouth and an archer taking aim. This story suggests that there was at least one panther prowling the British countryside as recently as 500 years ago. But there's a big difference between an escaped animal and a whole population thriving in secret. And some say there's reason to believe that there are more than just a few panthers on British soil. In fact, evidence suggests big cats have been breeding in the English wilds as recently as 1770. Buried on page 265 of author William Cobbett's memoir was a description of an anomalous feline he encountered as a child. Cobbett wrote that as a boy, he used to wander around the ruins of Waverley Abbey, a monastery on the outskirts of London. One day, he saw a cat the size of an English spaniel dash into a hollowed-out tree. His incredulous father beat him for supposedly telling lies, but Cobbett stood firm about what he'd witnessed. Decades later, he saw a cat just like it in a zoo. He realized all those years ago, he'd spotted a lynx. This discovery didn't bring him much relief. Lynxes had been officially driven out of England about 1,000 years before Cobbett possibly first saw one, which means... Cobbett either imagined the creature or he saw something that upended conventional science. And about 150 years later, in January 1927, shepherds found the dismembered bodies of sheep and goats near Inverness, Scotland. When they searched for animal tracks, they discovered gigantic paw prints in the bog. The shepherds set traps and patrolled their lands, hoping to catch a glimpse of the intruder. One night, a farmer was walking the moors when he heard the bleats of his flock being attacked. He raced over, rifle in hand, and saw a large yellow cat the size of a leopard savaging his sheep. He fatally shot it and showed the body to his compatriots. A few days later, farmers killed another big cat and found a third caught in a trap. Baffled, they sent one of the bodies to the London Zoo, where it was identified as a Eurasian lynx, the largest lynx species in the world. Because lynxes were supposed to be extinct in Scotland, local newspapers assumed the animals had escaped from a traveling zoo. But they didn't investigate that conclusion. If they had, they might have discovered the UK had more big cats to worry about. Three decades later, a woman in Surrey County near London called the police about a large cat attack. 
she'd apparently seen a four-legged creature scamper away after killing a calf. Over the next few years, police received more calls from all over the area, including from neighboring counties. In 1962, a man was strolling through the woods when a sand-colored cat bellowed and charged him before darting into the bushes. He described it as, quote, a small lion. Then, almost a year later, a similar creature leapt over a police car and a high-speed chase ensued. Reportedly, more than 150 police officers, soldiers, and animal control officers joined in pursuit. But the cat ultimately eluded them. It moved so fast, the cops believed it must have been a cheetah. Witnesses apparently thought otherwise, as they dubbed it the Surrey Puma. By 1966, eyewitnesses had called in 362 sightings to the police in Surrey and the surrounding counties. But their testimony went nowhere. The cat was like a phantom. It disappeared and reappeared at will. The Ministry of Agriculture did a brief investigation. They ultimately blamed the livestock attacks on either a wild dog or a feral domestic cat. Still, the Surrey Puma became a legend in that corner of England. And as more animal attack reports kept pouring in, it reached a point where the officials couldn't ignore them any longer. They'd have to call the military. Coming up, a big cat bloodbath. You tell yourself it's only a movie. None of this could ever happen to you. You feel relieved until you discover what you're watching is based on actual events. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa and Greg from the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. In our Halloween special, Real Horror, we're spotlighting three of the most iconic horror films of all time and telling the terrifying true stories that inspired them. Recovering the real influences behind characters like Ghostface from the 90s mega-hit Scream, Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill from the Oscar-winning thriller The Silence of the Lambs, and Leatherface from the 70s cult classic The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Enjoy Real Horror, the Serial Killer's three-part Halloween special. Listen to all three episodes the final week of October, free and only on Spotify. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Now, back to the story. The British Isles were once home to a diverse population of great and powerful cats, like lions, leopards, and lynxes. However, scientists believe humans wiped them off that part of the map more than a millennium ago. But maybe we didn't. Since the 1500s, British people have sporadically seen huge felines on their home soil. And the number of sightings has only increased in the last 100 years. Even so, only a handful of people took alien big cat reports seriously. After all, the evidence largely consisted of blurry photographs and rumors. 
But an attack in 1983 changed that. That March, retired biologist Nigel Brierly was living with his wife in Exmoor, a remote hilly moor in England. Life was peaceful there. He dwelled alongside farmers and shepherds. One morning, his neighbor, Eric Lay, found one of his sheep brutally butchered. Its throat was slashed, he claimed, and its insides ripped open. By the following day, even more livestock had perished, and more turned up in the days after that. Over the next two months, 80 sheep were killed by a mysterious predator. At first, locals suspected the culprit was a wild dog. But they typically hunt in the daytime and in packs. These sheep were killed at night. Foxes were another unlikely offender. They're small and wouldn't have taken on a fully grown sheep let alone 80 of them. That left one possibility, a big cat. Their hunting methods tend to be more efficient than those of dogs or foxes. If you've ever owned a cat, you've probably seen them in action. When felines spy on their prey, their haunches drop, their ears go flat, and their tails twitch with anticipation. They watch, calculating, waiting until just the right moment. Then they strike with lightning precision. Big cats have large claws, so huge they can easily shred tree trunks, and their teeth can crunch through bone like it's paper. If the prey is small, a quick bite to the back of the neck does the trick. For a robust game like sheep, big cats might hang from their target's shoulder and clamp their mouths down on the neck or head. Sometimes, they'll kick with their back legs to injure the animal and prevent it from running away. If you have a pet cat, you may have seen it playfully bapping a toy with their back paws. It's cute when it's a kitten punting a stuffed animal or a feather on a string. When it's a full-fledged predator, the move can be deadly. And big cat hunting tactics match the way the sheep in Exmoor were killed. The timing of the attack suggested the predator likely had excellent night vision, another big cat trait. But it wasn't enough to know what the killer was. The farmers needed to stop it, which was challenging since the creature struck under the cover of darkness. The farmers often didn't even know what had happened until morning. In the spring of 1983, Nigel's neighbor gathered all the farmers in the area and organized them into a search party. At night, they camped out in farmhouses, weapons at the ready. During the day, they went from field to field armed with shotguns and rifles, hoping to draw the crafty predator out. Now and then, someone caught a glimpse of it. A young woman described it as a big, black, cat-like animal with a long tail. One farmer took a shot at it, but missed. When the press found out about the search party, they dubbed the creature the Beast of Exmoor. The monster had a name, but nobody had come close to capturing it yet. Even the police joined the effort without success. After two months of searching, their only victory was finding a few suspicious paw prints. So in May 1983, they called in the cavalry. The Royal Marines dispatched a squad of crack snipers to hunt down the beast. Working in two-man teams, they set up camouflaged observation posts near targeted farms and waited for the creature to show its face. Once, they reported seeing something through their night vision scopes. They called it, quote, 
a dark and powerful animal. They tried to shoot it, but somehow missed. As the weeks rolled by, the killings became more sporadic. Even though the hunters hadn't killed the beast, maybe they were scaring it away. Or perhaps it had moved on for its own reasons. Without any new developments, eventually, the hordes of amateur beast hunters dispersed. When the excitement wore off, the farmers returned to business. They'd briefly made extra cash by selling t-shirts and trinkets with images of snarling panthers. Now it was back to the fields. But not Nigel Brierly, the retired biologist. The idea of a big cat prowling his own backyard sparked something wild in his imagination. Nigel talked to a former Special Forces paratrooper named Sergeant Eddie McGee. McGee was an expert at reading the environment for clues. He tracked fugitives through forests, analyzing nothing but muddy footprints, and could ID an animal by its scat. He noted the scratches on a sheep's carcass appeared to be from feline claws. This convinced Nigel the beast of Exmoor really was a large cat. Soon after, Nigel met Di Francis, who'd written a book about big cats in the UK. That book sealed Nigel's obsession. From then on, he dedicated himself to studying the mysterious creatures. Over the years, he traveled the moors making plaster casts of suspected big cat paw prints. He collected photos of scratched trees, and he baited cages big enough to hold a puma. Though he never caught one, he was instrumental in creating the first network of ABC hunters. Everyone who joined had a fascination with wildlife, and many had personal experiences that had started them on their journeys. For them, finding big cats was a way of life. In 1992, an anarchist punk rocker turned monster hunter named Jonathan Downs founded the Center for Fortean Zoology, or CFZ. According to their website, CFZ's purpose was to, quote, coordinate and promote research into cryptozoology, mystery animals, out-of-place animals, folkloric animals, and rare animal behavior. Within that broad mandate, the CFZ paid particular attention to big cats in Britain. That's because, years ago, Downs claimed he had spotted one creeping silently along a rural hedgerow. Now he regularly led expeditions for curious travelers to photograph an ABC. He visited Surrey County, home of the eponymous Puma. He also set up camp in Sherwood Forest of Robin Hood fame. But the CFZ couldn't dump all of its resources into the big cat phenomenon. There were so many other cryptids waiting to be found, which is why in 2014, another organization stepped in to fill the gap, the British Big Cat Society. Unlike the CFZ, the society had a much narrower mission. Its founder, Danny Bamping, wanted to create a central hub for information about ABCs exclusively. Beyond gathering research, the aim was to help protect what he believed were rare, endangered animals eking out a life on British soil. The society was like a clearinghouse for tips about ABCs, which Bamping used to focus his search efforts. The reports trickled in from dog walkers to farmers and even police officers. 
Some talked of strange growling noises, while others claimed they'd seen the animals up close and personal. Over the years, the British Big Cat Society, the CFZ, and other enthusiasts have collected thousands of eyewitness accounts like this. They've mapped incidents from Scotland to London, compiling reams of data on the elusive phantom cats. They may finally be able to answer some burning questions about ABCs, like how many there are, whether they're all the same species, and most importantly, if they see us as prey. Coming up, a hunter tries to claim his elusive trophy. Now back to the story. The British big cat phenomenon has attracted a motley crew of sleuths seeking to prove the animal's existence. In large part, these hunters want to understand the cats in a scientific way. Since a phantom feline has never been caught, researchers have learned to make do with the tools at their disposal. Of these, eyewitness reports were the most important. But to really get to know these elusive creatures, big cat researchers had to go into the wild and collect evidence. That included scat, animal carcasses, and giant paw prints. Author, podcaster, and big cat researcher Rick Minter said most of the prints he received were of other animals, like dogs and foxes. But some clearly belonged to cats and were much bigger than your average domestic feline. Then there was the deluge of photos and videos. An online search for British big cats brings up tons of hits depicting mysterious creatures, usually filmed from a great distance. Next time, we'll go into more detail about how ABC researchers analyzed specific pieces of evidence. For now, it's enough to know investigators were keeping track of every paw print, every ounce of cat scat, and every carcass that came their way. Combined with the eyewitness reports, the physical evidence helped paint a picture about big cats, namely where they roamed, what kinds there were, and how many existed. According to Rick Minter, roughly 80% of sightings describe large black cats, in other words, what could be black panthers. The remaining 20% are brown or beige-colored, often resembling pumas. Jonathan McGowan, a fellow researcher of big cats, believed the three main species in Britain were pumas, leopards, and lynxes. Rick Minter, on the other hand, didn't think there was enough evidence to prove that conclusively. Even with these disagreements, there was one question at the center of all their work. How many big cats are there? After all, they've been spotted all over the UK, and yet no one seems to know if there are two or 2,000. John McGowan spent years mapping potential territories in Dorset County along the southern coast of England. He started by pinpointing sightings and cross-referencing those against the regions that were rich in prey, like deer herds, rabbit colonies, and rivers full of fish. His map helped him focus his search on areas most likely to be near a cat's den. McGowan visited each location and set up motion-activated cameras. This way, when an animal passed, the camera would flick on and capture the creature's elusive movements. He also looked for the obvious signs like paw prints, scratched trees, and dead animals. A lone paw print here and there didn't mean much. 
but the recurrence of prints and deer carcasses over several years indicated a favored hunting ground. He used this information to create a map of the predators' territories. Based on this, he calculated there were anywhere between 8 and 20 big cats living in Dorset County. But since the animals weren't tagged with GPS, there was no way to know for sure where they went or how many existed. Still, some big cat hunters believe there could be up to 500 giant apex predators running around Britain. And they think that number is cause for concern. If the carnage at Exmoor was any indication, it was clear one creature could cause a lot of damage. Now, imagine one every 10 miles. Some felt the best way to handle these predators was to hunt them down and kill them. Sir Benjamin Slade, a gun-loving aristocrat with a reputation for eccentricity, was on board with this idea. Slade's 2,000-acre estate included a mansion, three lakes, and woodlands where he liked to hunt. He also kept an assortment of livestock on the property, like cattle, sheep, and chickens. In 2013, 67-year-old Slade found evidence of animal attacks on his land. While the blood on the ground was fresh and their bodies were still warm, there was no sign of the predator. At the time, Slade had no idea what to make of the killings. He knew foxes weren't to blame. According to him, foxes occasionally stole a chicken or two, but they were no match for the geese. And the culprit had a much bigger jaw than any animal he'd ever seen in England. It had crunched through bones like toothpicks. In the following months, Slade found more of his livestock ripped to shreds, even local wild foxes. Whatever this carnivore could get its hands on, it seemed to devour. Slade had always been a gun enthusiast, and he began stalking his property with a rifle searching for the beast. One summer day in 2013, he caught sight of it by a postbox. The creature was an enormous black panther, possibly a leopard. We're not sure if Slade had his gun with him, but he was apparently so struck by its presence, he didn't have time to shoot before the feline slipped away. It wasn't long before it reappeared. In early July, a member of Slade's staff was taking out the trash when something in the meadow about 500 feet away caught his attention. At first, he thought it was a deer, but it didn't move like one. The porter whipped out his cell phone and zoomed in. He snapped a blurry photo of a dark, muscular animal crouching in the grass, likely a panther. Slade grew worried. He often rented out his estate for parties and weddings. If one of his guests was attacked by the predator, it would mean the end of his business. He called the police who, according to him, did nothing. So he took matters into his own hands. First, he put up signs warning visitors about the animal. Then, he used the media to raise awareness and backed up his intentions with his house armory, filled with enough weapons to slay an army. He searched for the beast with a newfound sense of purpose. Slade had always loved hunting, and the idea of shooting a wild panther on his own property excited him. He told interviewers he wanted to mount its head on his wall. But the public became more scared of him than the panther itself. After the news published a picture of Slade with his rifle, someone even called the authorities. 
In August 2013, the cops came while a wedding was in progress. When they searched Slade's house, they found more than 150 firearms, including assault rifles, shotguns, and centuries-old muskets. That seemed to put a stop to Sir Benjamin's crusade against the panther. He hasn't reported any run-ins with the creature since. But elsewhere in the UK, the sightings haven't stopped. In 2002, a Scottish woman claimed she was attacked by a black panther. And in 2009, a six-foot-long cat allegedly chased a jogger and his terrier through the woods outside of London. If ABCs aren't real, a whole lot of people are either confused or lying about their encounters. And if the animals are legitimate, they could pose a genuine safety risk. Of course, we shouldn't race for our shotguns like Sir Benjamin Slade just yet. Suppose big cats are running loose in the British Isles. The odds of being attacked by one appear negligible. The truth is, there are far more dangerous threats to worry about. Traffic accidents in the UK kill nearly 2,000 people each year, and that number doesn't hold a candle to heart disease. And besides, the presence of wild cats could actually be a blessing in disguise. Every animal has a place in the food chain. But humans have broken that chain through hunting, habitat destruction, and global warming. We've driven hundreds of species to extinction and put thousands more on the brink. Six of the seven remaining species of panthera are listed as threatened or near-threatened. The seventh species, tigers, are endangered. So a hidden cat population in the UK could mean we don't have to worry as much. The animals could even help the local ecosystem by keeping rabbit and deer populations in check. Then again, perhaps British big cats are just a fantasy. Because if they were real, surely someone would have caught one by now. Well, actually, back in 1980, someone did. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back next time with part two of British Big Cats. For more information on ABCs, amongst the many sources we used, we found Big Cats, Facing Britain's Wild Predators by Rick Minter, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember... Never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast, executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and Trent Williamson as our senior production specialist. Ali Wicker is our supervising editor and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Xander Bernstein, edited by Wendelin Sabroso, Amber Von Chassen, and Angela Jorgensen, fact-checked by Kevin Johnson, researched by Chelsea Wood, produced by Bruce Katovich, and sound designed by Dick Schroeder. Our hosts are Richard Rossner and me, Molly Brandenburg. Mm-hmm.